The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. That's not just a line from The Usual Suspects, one of the best movies of all time. It's also one of Satan's primary tactics to deceive us. We're going to talk about that and do an introduction to this series on the devil, fallen angels, spiritual warfare, and spiritual evil on this week's episode of the Faith by Reason podcast. Welcome to the podcast, the website behind it all. As always, it's faithbyreason.net, and there you will find a blog, our podcast, a ton of categories, a lot of great information, our social media, so please check it out. And as I just stated, we are beginning a series on spiritual warfare, spiritual evil, the devil, fallen angels, Satan, Lucifer, and all the evil spiritual entities that the Bible mentions. And interestingly, this has proven, this series on the blog has proven to be the most popular series on Faith by Reason. Um, And I was not expecting it. Honestly, when I started doing Faith by Reason um, over eight years ago, I I did kind of an outline of all the topics I wanted to cover, all the things I wanted to talk about. And when I did that outline, I kind of thought to myself, what are some of the things that would be most popular and least popular? Because I I check my statistics and I look at the analytics and just see what topics people are gravitating towards, which ones get the most hits, the most page views, which are the most popular. And interestingly, again, the ones that I thought would be most, most popular weren't necessarily so. And the ones that I didn't think would be very popular have turned out to be quite popular, which is fine. You know, I'm here for you. I'm here to to, um, give you information that you want. And I kind of let that information guide me. And as I'm continuing to write and do podcasts, but I have found it interesting that this series on Satan and the fallen angels has always traditionally proven to be the most popular. Whenever I check my statistics, when when, I, when new visitors come um, around, and when people who've already been here have come back to the to the to faithbyreason.net, and I just look at what's getting the most traffic, it is by far the series on the devil and the fallen angels, and you know Satan, Lucifer, and, and all that stuff. Those that series of posts, I think there are about eight uh, blog posts on it. They are always at the top of, of the charts, and. The reason I didn't think they were going to be popular was because it's just not something that's talked about very often. I mean, it's something I'm interested in. I, I find that kind of stuff fascinating. I'm, I'm really interested in the in all the, the invisible spiritual stuff behind the scenes. But I didn't think people would be interested in it because simply, simply, speak, simply speaking, pastors have not talked about it very much. I mean, think about it. When was the last time your pastor, or your Bible teacher, or your Bible study group did a series where they did a deep dive into Satan? And just who he is, what he's all about, what fallen angels are, what they do, what demons are all about. You rarely hear it. And so because I I didn't hear it very often, I figured it wouldn't be very popular. It was something I had to cover because we're doing a systematic analysis of Christianity. And you cannot do an analysis of Christianity without including, you know, the bad guys, the the spiritual warfare. But I I, I figured people wouldn't pay much attention to it. And it was just something I would do and we'd move on from. But as I said, it's it's proven to be more popular than any other series on, on the site. And the reason that it's popular is actually the converse of why I didn't think it would be popular. I didn't think it would be popular because pastors, preachers don't talk about it. But the reason that it is popular is because... Pastors, preachers, Bible teachers don't talk about it and people want to know about it. And I thought that the reason that people didn't want to know about it was because, you know, it's spooky stuff. I mean, it's, it's really kind of it's scary. I mean, when you think about the idea that there are these malevolent, 
powerful, intelligent entities all around us that we can't see who are fighting wars against us and against you know the good angels. And they're watching us no matter what we do when we're driving in our cars and we're at work, when we're talking to our spouse and raising our kids. There are these invisible, powerful entities watching us, interacting with us, tempting us, trying to get us to do bad things, trying to destroy us. But that's not something we want to think about. It's kind of scary. And so I didn't think people had an appetite for it. And I'm guessing that preachers didn't think people had an appetite for it either, which is why they don't talk about it. But the truth is, and I can only use my own statistics and analytics as my proof point, people are interested in it. And they are interested in, number one, because it impacts their lives. These spiritual entities, these evil, malevolent spiritual entities impact our lives on a regular basis, on a daily basis, on a moment by moment basis. And we want to know about it. And secondly, because preachers have decided that they're not going to teach people about it, I guess, because they don't want it. They don't want to scare people. They don't want to affect the the amount of money they put in the offering offering plate. And maybe if they teach about Satan and demons, people aren't going to come there next Sunday and they're going to not get as much money. And so that's going to affect the building fund and they're not going to be able to make their car payments or whatever preachers think about. I didn't really care about it because I'm not doing this for money. Um, I just did it because, like I said, it's part of systematic Christian theology and I wanted to put it out there. But again, it has uh, proven to be the most popular. So I'm guessing that these podcasts are going to be just as popular. And, I, and, I'm, and because I'm able to do a lot more exposition on um, on the podcast than I am on the um, on the blog post, hopefully that you know these will be popular and people will will come and, and visit and, and listen to them. And hopefully they will learn something about Satan and the fallen angels. So let's get started. As I said, this is the introductory uh, podcast. And so we're going to just kind of lay a baseline for what we're going to be talking about in the next in the next several podcasts. Not sure how many it will go. Maybe it will go as many as 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 the number of blog posts we have, or more or less. We'll just see how it goes. But let's get started by with with the basics again. The whole um, catchphrase, a watchword, the 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 subtitle of Faith by Reason is a systematic analysis of Christian philosophy. So we have to start at the very very beginning. Before we even talk about who Satan is, we're going to start with Satan. He's the number one fallen angel, and we'll start with him, and we'll, and we'll um, eventually talk about the, the rest of the the fallen angels. But we'll start with the number one enemy, and that is Satan. But before we even start talking about who he is, how, how he came into being, let's just start with the basics and ask the basic question of, is there actually a Satan? Is there actually a personal, intelligent, sentient, malevolent being called Satan? And the reason I have to start with this is because there is actually some controversy, not just in the secular world, but even in the Christian world about whether or not there is actually, again, a personal um, individual, sentient, intelligent, malevolent entity known as the devil and Satan. Again, there are Christians and, and secular folk who will say that the idea of a devil, of Satan, is not personal, but it's, it's just a, a metaphor, a a, a, a mnemonic, a representation of overall evil, that there isn't actually a an independent Satan, but the idea of Satan and the devil, the adversary, and that's that's basically what Satan and the devil means. It means, you know, I'm, I'm adversary. Is it's just an a concept of of overall evil. So when the Bible refers to Satan, the devil, is just talking about the just general this general amorphous non independent just uh, idea. Of, of evil. 
So when the Bible says that when you do wrong, evil is at Satan is at the door. Is the Bible just saying that there no? There's just a spirit of evil at the door. It's just idea that that the things that human beings do that are evil are just represented by this idea of Satan. And there is another concept, another impersonal concept of Satan that's mostly embraced by secular folk who believe that Christians use the idea of Satan and the devil as an as a crutch or as an excuse for their bad behavior. So that when they say when they do something wrong, instead of admitting that it was them that did something wrong, they'll say, oh, the devil made me do it. You know, I cheated on my wife because you know the devil tempted me. Or, you know, I, I, I stole this thing. Well, because that was, that was the devil got to me. Or the Satan made me lie. He made me gossip. He made me steal. He made me do all these things. It was a devil. Uh, or or even when some other like natural calamity happens, like a hurricane happens, you'll maybe hear Christians say, oh, well, that was the devil. That was the devil's work. Or if you fall off a ladder and break your break your leg, you'll say, oh, that was oh, the, the, the devil's fighting against me. Not, or if you're depressed, oh, that's the devil. And. You know, and Christians use use this a lot. I mean, I've heard them in my family. I've, I grew up in a Christian family, and, and just about everything that goes wrong, oh, it was the devil. And so, secularists and even some Christians will say that it's just an excuse that Christians use to blame their bad behavior on, on this so-called devil who doesn't really exist. They, they're just using him as an excuse again to um, absolve themselves from blame when they do something wrong. And actually, there is some merit to this idea, um, to to the to the negative idea of it. And because I do believe that many times we blame things on the devil or Satan that are our own fault. Not everything bad that happens to you is because the devil made made it happen. And not every wrong thought that's in your mind is because the devil tempted you. We are human beings. We are we don't have the nature of God. We are not always and completely right and just, which means we have moments, many moments where we are unrighteous and unjust on our own. We can we do things that are evil without any prompting from Satan. And by the way, just, just so you know, I do believe that there that Satan is a sentient, intelligent, malevolent individual being that was created by God. But I don't believe that he's he causes every bad thing that happens to us. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes about why he wants us to believe that sometimes. So it is true that sometimes Christians can use Satan as a crutch not only for the bad things that they personally do to absolve, absolve themselves from blame, but also from things that have absolutely nothing to do with Satan. Like uh, when a hurricane happens, it's not because Satan is sitting out there in the Atlantic Ocean stirring up clouds. No, hurricanes happen because, well, basically, I mean, if you look at it, it's really the fault of man in the long term because of the flood. Before the flood, we talked about this during the series on the flood, the earth had a very stable and static um, uh environment. You know, it, it never rained. There weren't any storms. And when the flood happened, I mean, it caused some devastating changes, not just to, to the topography of the earth, but also to all of our weather systems. And so a lot of the tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and things like that, that happened, you know, smaller scale floods that happened after the flood did not happen before the flood, but they happened afterwards because again, it was dramatic changes that happened. And that's the fault of man. Man was the reason that God brought the flood. And in other things like natural disasters, like if you go camping and, you know, you get charged by a moose and it gores you to death. Well, that was that's not because of Satan. Satan didn't get in that moose and say, hey, go charge that guy and gore him. No, the reason that men have animosity, to, I mean, the reason that animals have an animosity towards men is because Adam, when he sinned, gave up his control. He voluntarily gave up his his uh, control over all of the 
uh, of the animals and all and, and all of the life on earth. Remember when, when Adam was given his authority by God, God gave him authority over everything. All of nature was supposed to obey Adam. When Adam gave up his control, when, when Adam sinned, he gave up that control. So now animals are fierce against us. So if you get slapped around by a bear, it's not because Satan got into the bears because it's Adam's fault. It's, it's, it's our fault um, as, as men. We did it, mankind. So not everything is the fault of Satan. But Satan has no problem. In fact, Satan encourages us to take one of those two tacts. When Satan deals with us, he, w he wants us to believe one or two things. One is the, the thing I talked about at the very beginning of the podcast is believing that he doesn't exist. Believing that he is the reason, that, that, that you are the reason for everything that goes wrong. Now, Satan does tempt us. Satan and the fallen angels, they do tempt us. But they tempt us in very specific ways, which we will talk about um, um, uh, in a few minutes. But when he tempts us, we know we know how he tempts us and we know the ways he tempts us. But he can only tempt us. He cannot make us do anything. When somebody says the devil made me do it, they are giving you a, they're, they're lying to you and they are excusing themselves. They're justifying themselves, which, again, is the, the source of original sin, justifying yourself. But when someone says the devil made me do this, they're justifying themselves. The devil cannot make you do anything. And we'll learn more about how he operates in, in the upcoming podcasts. But he cannot force you to do anything. The only he, the only thing he can do is tempt you. But not every evil thought that comes into your head is from Satan, as we'll talk about in a few minutes. There there are specific ways that the, that, um, the fallen angels and Satan tempts you, and we'll talk about them. But if you don't believe there's a Satan, then you believe that every that every temptation that comes into your head, whether it's from you or from Satan, you believe they're all are from you, and so you believe there is no Satan. That everything evil is is has to do with was just with just men or circumstances and that's not entirely true some things happen because of us because of what men and women do but a lot of things happen because of what satan initiates but if that doesn't work if you do believe there's a satan then he takes the opposite tactic and he will try to convince you that everything bad that happens comes from him and his fallen angels he'll they want to believe he'll make you believe that every thought that enters your head that's evil is from him every bad thing that happens is because of him the car accident you got in the fight that you had with your wife the fact that your teenagers are rebelling against you that you got fired from your job that you don't like your boss that somebody cut you off on the freeway and you have road rage that there are raccoons turning over your your garbage pails that you got bit by a mosquito. All those things are the devil. He will try to convince you that he's responsible for every bad thing that happens to you. Why does Satan take these two tacts? Why does he want to convince you that either one, he's not there at all and everything is, is your fault. Or two, that everything is his fault. That you are powerless against him. That he is this force of evil that's just so omnipotent, so all-encompassing that every single thing that ever goes on in your life is because of a demon or Satan and you're just always telling God, get behind me, say, telling God, God help me, get behind me, Satan. Oh, 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 oh no, I, I, the, the, my, my TV show didn't come on this week because there was a, a speech by the president. That's the devil trying to keep me from watching TV. Or, or you know, I, I just ate this cheesecake and I just gained five pounds. That's the devil putting five pounds on me. He wants you to believe that or he wants you to believe he doesn't exist. Why does he give you, why does he want you to, to um, uh, believe one of those two things? Because both of those thoughts lead you to one result. The result of either believing that Satan doesn't exist or that Satan is all powerful will lead you to not fight him. Let me say that again. If you believe that Satan is either absent or all powerful, it will result in you not fighting him. Why is that important? 
it's important because we can fight Satan as a Christian. Not only can you fight him, but you will win against him if you fight him. Why? Because as a Christian, God has given you power over Satan. The Bible is very clear that we are given power over Satan. But in order to exercise that power, we have to use it. Satan is very powerful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make light of him and say that you know he he can be easily defeated. He it, it, it takes work, but he can be defeated. On our own, we can't do it. If you're not a Christian, you have you, you're out of luck. I know there are atheists who listen to this show. If you're an atheist and you don't believe in Satan, then you know you're you're at his at his mercy. But if you are a Christian, you have been given power by God to overcome Satan. Satan is extremely powerful. He is the most powerful created being that 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 God made. However. If you are a Christian, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. God, as powerful as Satan is, God is infinitely more powerful. As powerful as Satan is, Satan is an ant compared to God. I mean, and, and that's not even close. That, that's, that's actually a, an exaggeration of the disparity. I mean, I mean a, a de-exaggeration of the disparity. The disparity. The disparity between an ant and a human being is not even close to the width of disparity between God and Satan. So if God dwells within you through the Holy Spirit, you are infinitely more powerful than Satan and you can overcome him. However, if you, in, in order to overcome him, you have to resist him and fight him. But if you don't believe he exists, you're not gonna fight him. And if you believe her, she's all, all powerful and is always causing trouble in your life and you can't do anything about him and you're powerless against him, then you will also not fight him. You will just cower in terror before him. So, so you'll either ignore him or cower in terror of him. Either way, you won't fight him. And either way, Satan wins. Because the only way Satan can win over a Christian is if that Christian doesn't fight. So that is why Satan wants you to either ignore him or think he's more powerful than he actually is. So we basically have two ways we can deal with Satan. We can deal with him the way the Bible wants us to deal with him or the way the world wants us to deal with him. Now, if we go by what the world wants us to do, how, how the world wants us to deal with him in the secular world, well, they just the world just sees Satan as an archetype of, of a villain. They see the Bible as nothing more than fiction, uh, just a piece of literature. And in that piece of literature, Satan occupies the role of the bad guy, which, you know, every story has a villain. Satan is a villain that the Bible made up. He's he's a, the antagonist. God's the protagonist. We know we are the one on the so-called hero's journey and so forth and so on. You can actually read the blog. I talk about this. Um, in detail in the blog, which I, w I will link. That's the world's idea of Satan. He's not really, he's not really just something that Bible writers invented to give us a villain for our story. But if, you, if you're a Christian, then I'm going to assume you want to go in, in the direction of the Bible and, and see Satan the way the Bible sees, it, say, sees him and wants us to see him. So how does the Bible see Satan? How does the Bible want us to see Satan? Well, first of all, the Bible expects us to know that Satan is real, that he is not a a figment of our imagination that he is not just some amorphous non-personal concept of evil but that he is a personal entity jesus talks to him and he talks to jesus during his, the temptations and so unless you think jesus is, was schizophrenic or had multiple personality disorder or was just crazy and talking to someone and it wasn't there then you have to believe that satan is a real entity the Bible also expects us to know that Satan is real and is a source of some of our struggles. Not all of them, but some. That he has influence on our lives, that he tempted Eve, and and that resulted in, in the fallen world in which we exist. The Bible expects us, to, expects us to know that. We expect you to know that he is our enemy. That he exists, he's real, and his goal is our destruction. 
Here's another good one. We're expected to know Satan's methods, not just his methods in general, but his methods towards us specifically. All of us, we're all individual. We talked about that about four or five podcasts ago when we talked about um, uh, human government and that we're all unique. We're all individuals. So that means that Satan attacks us uniquely. Now, I, I talked uh, a few minutes ago about how we can know when something is a temptation from Satan. The reason we can know that it's a temptation from Satan is because it will happen in two, two ways we can know. Number one, the temptation will always occur in an area where we are weak. That's number one, and it will always be repetitive. Satan will only attack us in the same, in, in, in one, in a specific areas, areas that we know we are weak. If you have a bad temper, if that's your weakness, Satan is going to always tempt you to lose your, to, to lose your cool. If we have a, a problem with gossip, Satan is going to tempt us there. If we have a problem with, if we have a problem with loneliness, Satan is going to tempt us when we're lonely and, and get us to do, you know, things like promis, uh, promiscuity and pornography because we're lonely. If Satan knows that our weakness is, is getting approval from others, then he's going to tempt us in that way and get us to bow down, bow, uh, give in to peer pressure and do things that we wouldn't normally do because we think it'll get us accepted by other people. No matter what, you know what your individual weakness is. You know the things that that that, that cause you to fall. And again, if you aren't sure, then just take a moment, look at your life. Look at the places that you are always failing that you keep saying to yourself, why do I keep falling for that every single time? Or you say to yourself, why do I keep messing up in that specific area every single time? The reason is Satan knows your weakness and he keeps tempting you in that area. It's not going to be an area that is foreign to you. It's not going to be something that's going to happen randomly. It's going to be something that that happens to you all the time. Look at your life. Look at that one area that you know you're weak in, that you keep failing in every single time and every single time you do you keep saying oh man why do i keep failing here that's because that's your weakness satan knows it and the way to cure that is to first of all recognize that that is your weakness you have to go to god and ask him to give you victory over that particular weakness but know that that's where satan that that's what's called a stronghold a stronghold is a spiritual belief system you have from which satan can always get you to trip up you know, I know mine. I have, we, all, we have multiple. There's not just one place where we're saying trips us up. There are several. And with me, I know one of the places is my temper. Um, I, you know, I have a bad temper. And that's an area that Satan always attacks me in. That's, I'm always tempted to fly off the handle. And what I've had to do was um, find ways to deal with my temper. And one of the ways that I've learned that one of my mentors has helped me in is when, when I am tempted to, to go off when when, my, uh, when I when I get triggered and I'm about to fly off the handle, one thing you do is ask a question. Because once you ask a question about something, you can get your mind back and you're not going to fly off the handle. So if if my kids do something and they destroy it, one of my biggest things is if, if my kids mess up something I've been doing. If I've been working on a project out, outside, I'll give you an example. I was growing some uh, tomato plants um, outside in my backyard. And... One of my kids, you know, they were, they were young kids. They got into them because they didn't know any better and they started plucking my tomatoes off. And I was ready to fly into a rage because I've been growing those things for four months. And I've been, I planted them, I've been cultivating them, and fertilizing them and watering them and making sure they got the right amount of sunlight. And I just started to see my tomatoes grow on them, grow on the vines and they were just starting to get ripe. And my kids go out and they think that their tomatoes look like baseball. So they take the, take the tomatoes off and start throwing them at each other. And I was tempted to fly off the handle because all my hard work had was going, you know, just, just being destroyed because of my kids. But I had to ask myself, are my, before I flew off the handle, I said, 
is this really the right reaction? Is this really appropriate? My, is my reaction of wanting to yell at them and scream at them really appropriate based on, on who they are? They're not, they, they did not do it malevolently. They weren't trying to destroy it. They were just kids. They were just playing around. So once I was able, was able to ask myself that question, I can answer the question. As I just said, they're just kids. They were innocent. Maybe it's my fault for that's contrastive thinking. Maybe it's my fault for not instructing them and saying, hey, you know what? These are dad's plants. You guys can play out here, out here in the backyard as all you want. Just make sure you don't touch dad's plants. I should have done that. I didn't do that. So by asking those questions and thinking it through contrastively, I was able to control my temper and not yell at them. But that's just an example. You have to do it in your own life and look at the places where you fall and um, you know, find a methodology to, to deal with it. And once you do, Satan has no more strong he has no more stronghold over you and he can't he can no longer get you to fly off the handle with that. He'll still tempt you that way because as we'll find out in a future podcast, and which is one of our advantages over Satan, is that he has no imagination. He cannot think of any creative things. All he can he can only do the same things over and over again. That's why Satan always tempts you in the same ways, because he does not have the ability to, he does have an he does not have an imagination, and again, we'll talk about that probably in the next podcast or, or the podcast after it. So once we realize the areas where Satan tempts us, and once we know what our weaknesses are, and we shore up those weaknesses, we have incredible power over him because all he can keep doing is tempting us in those same ways. And once we've conquered those ways, once we've conquered the areas where he tempts us, he has very little power over us. And it's an amazing uh, place to be. In fact, when you look at the life of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, in three of the four Gospels, uh, it talks about how the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And you might ask yourself, why would the Holy Spirit do that to Jesus? Why does he want Jesus to be tempted in his, in his uh, human life? Well, specifically because he did it intentionally so that he could find out, so that Jesus would find out what are his three areas, what are his areas, rather, where he is vulnerable. And Satan tempted him in three ways. He tempted him with you know the turn the stones into bread so that said that jesus had a temptation with food some of us i have that temptation too i i don't eat as healthily as i should and that's a that's one of my um, weaknesses it was jesus's weakness too so i'm in good company another his other temptation was to um get jesus to act in spiritual pride he said hey if you're this if you're the son of god then throw yourself off the building because god will catch you well that's the spiritual pride so jesus knew that food and spiritual pride could be weaknesses and thirdly he he tried to give jesus a shortcut by saying hey you know i know you're come here to go to this cross and die for us die for the world and, and gain the world that way but hey i control the world if you just bow down and worship me um, I'll give you all the world. You don't, you don't have to go to the cross and die. I'll, I'll give you the world if you bow down and worship me. And so that was an, an attempted shortcut. So Jesus knew that the ways that Satan would be tempting him, that his that the spots he saw, that, that, that Satan saw in his flesh, and Jesus was in a human pot, in a human body. He had a flesh, were um, food, gluttony, spiritual pride, and taking shortcuts. So what did Jesus do? For the rest of his ministry, Jesus intentionally did the opposite of those things. Instead of being a glutton, Jesus fasted. Jesus fasted all the time. You'll find it throughout the Gospels. Jesus was always fasting. Secondly, spiritual pride. Instead of being prideful, Jesus did the opposite. It says in, in, the, in the Gospels that Jesus only did what God told him to do. Jesus never did anything of his own. Jesus said specifically, I do nothing of my own. I do only what the Father tells me. So, be, so by doing only what God told him to do, he could never get into spiritual pride. And lastly, instead of taking the easy way out, Jesus intentionally did things that were difficult. 
Jesus intentionally stepped into difficult situations. So because he knew the three areas that Satan were going to tempt, was going to tempt him, he intentionally did the opposite of those things in order to make sure that Satan had no stronghold over him. We have to do the same thing. So we, we know his methods. Um, the other thing the Bible expects us to do, it expects us to resist him. He expects us to, and resistance doesn't just mean we just kind of, you know, grit our teeth and ball up our fists and get into balls. You know, Satan, you can't get at me. No, what that word resist the devil means in the original language is to fight him. We fight him and we have the authority to fight him. And we're going to talk about how to use that authority in an upcoming podcast. But you need to know that we are to resist him. And it says, in, I think, James 7, 4. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So that's kind of a hint as to how we do it. The first thing, the first step to resisting the devil is to submit to God. When you are tempted by the devil, then you submit and say, God, what should I do? The devil is tempting me to do X. X, what should I do? When you submit to God, when you pray, the devil flees from you because he cannot stand to be in the presence of God. And there is also um, 2 Corinthians uh, 10, uh, 4 and 5, which I have in the... Uh, in the, uh, the blog post, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So again, we'll talk about this more in, in an upcoming podcast, but we don't you don't argue with the devil. You just submit yourself to God. And that, that, um, that requires contrastive thought. And you have to go back to the podcast on contrastive thinking or the, and the blog post on contrastive thinking to know what that's all about. So that's what the Bible expects. It expects us to notice Satan exists, that he's personal, that he's our enemy, that we that we know his methods, and that we are to fight him. And again, that's why, going back to the beginning, that's why he wants us to either ignore him or to um, ex have an exaggerated view of his power, because in those cases, we won't fight. So the, the main thing we want to do against the devil is to fight against him, resist him, and he will flee. And that doesn't mean he'll fight back. It says he will, he'll run from you if you resist him. So the point is to know how to resist him. And we'll, we'll talk about that more. So, but the best way to resist your enemy, and again, we're, we're, we're at war. That's something that I'm going to wrap up the podcast by just talking about that. The fact that we are at war. You really need to understand this. Even though we don't see these spiritual entities because they're invisible to our eyes, we see their effects, but we don't see them. We live our lives. We go to work. We go to school. We drive our cars, we you know, we take vacations, we raise our kids, we watch TV. We don't spend much time thinking about the spiritual um, evil that is all around us, but we are at war. And if you don't acknowledge that you're at war, at war you're going to lose. Any country, you, you tell me any um, war that's ever happened where one side didn't acknowledge they were at war, I can guarantee you that side was going to lose. So if you don't acknowledge the fact that you were at war, there's a guarantee you will lose. So we need to understand that we are at war. And the first step and winning the war is knowing who your enemy is, knowing all about your enemy. Because the more you know about your enemy, the easier time you will have battling them. If you know, I mean, just taking to, back to the warfare, if you know that your enemy has a great land army, then if you know that, then you know how to attack. If you know that they're that they have a great a great you know land army but a poor navy, then you know how to how to attack them. Best. The other way around, if you know they have a strong navy and a a weak land army, then then you know how best to attack them. If you know that they do well in open confrontation but don't do well in stealth, then you, then you attack them that way. The point is that the more you know about your enemy, the better you're able to combat them. So that's what this series is all about. And in the blog post, they're called the Know Your Enemy series because if you know your enemy, you can fight them. 
Conversely, if you don't know your enemy, you cannot fight them and you are going to lose to them. So now that we've had this baseline set, now that we understand some of the basics, that there is a Satan, that there is a spiritual war out there, and that the Bible does expect us to know it and to know him and to fight him, let's just do what the Bible says and get to know him. So in the next podcast, we are going to start talking about who this guy is, that he is not some guy, and Satan is not some guy in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork that's all up. A bunch of medieval gothic artwork he doesn't look anything like a, a he doesn't have goat feet he doesn't have horns he doesn't have a face like a goat you know he's, he's not he doesn't have a pitchfork he doesn't rule hell he's not god's equal there are so many misnomers about satan and we're going to talk about that in the next podcast so in the next podcast we are going to talk about who satan is um why god created him why and how he fell and yeah just we're going to get just get to know this person and then and then in the following podcast we'll even know some things about his personality so we will know who he is and more importantly who he isn't so that we can have a, a really good understanding of our enemy all right so that's going to wrap that up um, thank you for listening i appreciate it um, be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast to um, get these podcasts and get the blogs when, when, as soon as they are posted and please follow me on social media we will talk to you next week when we will go over the fall of satan 